the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Thank you, Mr. Vice President. You've been delivering the message, life is winning, talking about the accomplishments of the, of the Trump administration, Trump pro-life policies. As you look toward the election, what do you see as most at stake when it comes to life issues? Well, Greg, it's good to have you here, and thank you for Salem being with us on the road in Pennsylvania. But I believe life is winning in America because we, we live in a time where we have the most pro-life president in American history. I mean, from the first days of this administration, President Trump has taken steps to keep the promises that he made to the American people. We suspended or we, we suspended policies of the last administration that were working against, against conscience protections for health care providers in the country. Uh, we reinstated the Mexico City policy, which prevents taxpayer dollars from being used to fund or promote abortion around the world. And this president, working with pro-life legislators uh, in the Congress of the United States, uh, signed into law a bill that allowed uh, every state in the union to defund the largest abortion provider in America. In addition to all of that, uh, President Trump has, has seen confirmed more than 200 conservatives to our federal courts, including two Supreme Court justices. And when you, when you lay down that record and you compare that uh, with the agenda of, of Joe Biden and the radical Democrats, especially when it comes to life, the choice in this election has never been clearer. If you cherish the sanctity of life, if you cherish religious liberty, if you cherish all of the ideals enshrined in our Bill of Rights and our founding documents, the choice is clear. We need four more years of President Donald Trump in the White House. In my reporting and conversations with, in particular, Christian voters, I do hear a common theme expressed by some of social religious conservatives, not all, but some, and that is this. They love, they favor the president's policies on abortion, on religious liberty, but at the same time, they may be unhappy with his behavior or language at times. Have, have you heard that concern, and uh, how do you address that issue, which is facing some of your key supporters? Well, I think the president enjoys very broad-based support uh, among believers across the country because he's done what he said he would do. Uh, literally, in, in the last campaign, this president said that he would he would appoint conservatives to our federal courts at every level, who literally published a list from which he said he would draw if there were openings on the Supreme Court. And, Greg, that's exactly what he did. He Two vacancies on the Supreme Court were drawn from that list. And in the days ahead, we're going to publish another list of principled men and women from which he'll appoint to the courts. But we've stood for religious liberty, the freedom of religion of every American, suspending uh, enforcement of the Johnson Amendment, which was muzzling um, places of worship and uh, religious leaders around the country. But in one issue after another, uh, I think the reason why the president enjoys that broad-based support 
uh, among believers in this country is because he's he's done what he said he would do. He stood up for life and liberty. And I know we're going to enjoy great, great support from those voters come Election Day, November 3rd. On that very point, echoing what you just said, the president has said he expects evangelical Christian support to even surpass the levels of 2016. Do you share that confidence? I, I really think it could because... Look, the last administration where Joe Biden uh, was vice president uh, uh, not only uh, supported uh, abortion on, on demand and, um, uh, and literally, literally abandoned the sanctity of life, but beyond that, on the subject of religious liberty, the last administration literally was waging war on the little sisters of the poor. I mean, here was a group of nuns who'd taken a, a vow of poverty. But when Obamacare passes into law, Joe Biden and the last administration literally went to the court to force them to abandon their values in their health insurance plan. Well, in our first year, President Trump, on the National Day of Prayer, he ended the assault on the Little Sisters of the Poor. And not long ago, the Supreme Court voted by 7 to 2 to make it permanent. But even in the midst of that, Joe Biden has said if he's elected president, he'll work to reimpose the Obamacare mandates back on the little sisters of the poor. And I think on life, on religious liberty, understanding the vital role that freedom of religion has played and will always play in the life of this nation. There's only one choice come November 3rd, and that's President Donald Trump. I want to shift gears and talk about coronavirus. A couple of questions on that. Yesterday, the Biden campaign issued a statement accusing you and the president of using a COVID-19 vaccine as a political tool. How can you convince the American people that politics uh, will not be a part of the approval process for the vaccine? I I couldn't be more proud of the way the American people have responded over the last eight months in the midst of the worst global pandemic that we've seen in 100 years. And the leadership that President Trump has provided from very early on has made an enormous difference uh, in the life of our nation. I mean, before there was a single case of community transmission recorded in this country, before the end of January, President Trump suspended all travel from China and stood up the White House Coronavirus Task Force. In the first week of February, we went to work on a vaccine. The moment that we got the coding for the coronavirus, our National Institute of Health began the research. And because the president's been clearing out of the way red tape, we're literally in phase three clinical trials for a coronavirus vaccine in just seven months. I mean, Greg, usually vaccines will take years to develop. And after they're approved, then they're manufactured. So it takes even more time and more years to to develop them because of the president's leadership. All throughout this year, as we've reinvented testing, uh, literally now we're doing 750,000 tests a day, as we saw to the, the manufacture and the delivery of literally hundreds of millions of medical supplies uh, to our wonderful doctors and nurses, as we've been there with states have dealt with outbreaks, as we saw again this summer in the Sun Belt, all along the way, We've been moving quickly and safely toward the development of a vaccine, and we all remain convinced that we'll have a coronavirus vaccine one or more before the end of this year. But, you know, the amazing thing as well, under President Trump's Operation Warp Speed, we're not waiting until it's approved to manufacture the vaccines. We're actually manufacturing promising vaccines today so that the moment that the FDA 
says that a coronavirus vaccine is safe and effective, we will have tens of millions of doses to pass out. That's why it, it really is unconscionable that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are playing politics with the coronavirus vaccine by calling in to question uh, the work that's been done for months and months by our very best researchers in this government, by great American pharmaceutical companies. And it really has to stop. I mean, we're talking about American lives and every American uh, can be confident that we will cut no corners uh, in the development of a coronavirus vaccine. But the, the moment that it is safe and effective, we don't need voices like Joe Biden and Kamala Harris undermining public confidence in a coronavirus vaccine. The American people deserve better, and they can be confident under this president, under all the great scientists, under our incredible and innovative pharmaceutical industry. Uh, I truly believe we're going to have a safe and effective coronavirus vaccine before the end of this year. One more on this topic. Despite how what you've just laid out, the president has faced some criticism that perhaps early on he he downplayed the severity or the danger of coronavirus uh, as the head of the White House Coronavirus Task Force. Can can you assure the public that uh, that was not the case from the moment that the president stood up the White House Coronavirus Task Force in January and then in late February when he asked me to lead the task force? He directed us to deploy the full resources of the federal government with urgency, to call on the full strength of the American economy to meet this moment, whether it be when the president suspended all travel from China before January was out, whether it be when we started the process of reinventing testing across the country to make sure that any American who wanted a test could ultimately get a test, whether it be the fact that we, we saw to the delivery and manufacture and distribution of hundreds of millions of personal protective equipment, or whether it be in the development of medicines like convalescent plasma and remdesivir uh, that, that have literally saved lives across the country. All along the way, President Trump has made it, it clear that we would spare no expense in making sure that, that every American had access uh, to the level of health care that we'd want any one of our families to have. And in the midst of all of that, we also recognize that there, there was significant impact in our economy. 22 million Americans lost their jobs at the height of this pandemic. President Trump went to the Congress, secured $4 trillion in benefits for families, in support for small businesses. And as we sit here today, we've already seen 10 million Americans go back to work and we're opening up America again. So I, what I can tell you is from leading the White House Coronavirus Task Force, uh, President Trump gave us one mission, and that's save lives. And he directed us to deploy the full resources of the federal government and to call on the full strength of the American economy to do that. And I couldn't be more proud of the leadership that he's shown. Sir, we have time for one, one last question. Looking at the calendar, you have a vice presidential debate scheduled four weeks from tonight. I'm wondering if you've started your debate preparations and what's the key to winning that debate? Well, we're looking very much forward to it. We'll be in Salt Lake City that night for the vice presidential debate. Couldn't be more honored to be President Trump's vice president, to have been asked to run and to serve with him again. Uh, and uh, look, I, I know that the, the Democrat nominee for vice president is a skilled debater, but um, facts are stubborn things. And we're we're going to lay out a record of this president that rebuilt our military, revived our economy through less taxes, less regulation, 
more American energy, free and fair trade, appointed conservatives to our courts at every level, stood with the men and women of law enforcement at every level, stood for law and order. And we're going to contrast that with the agenda of uh, Joe Biden uh, and uh, the Democratic Party that wants higher taxes, socialized medicine, open borders, abortion on demand, and actually wants to cut funding for law enforcement at a time that we see violence in many of our cities. So my job that night, I'm, I'm looking forward to a vigorous debate, but really laying out the choice for the American people, telling the story of what President Trump has done, telling the choice the American people face. And I, uh, I have every confidence that when the American people see that choice, we're going to get four more years of President Donald Trump in the White House. Vice President, thank you very much for your time. Appreciate that. Thank you, Greg. Great to have Salem along today. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. This is Jerry Boyer of Town Hall Finance for townhall.com. During the worst of the shutdown of our nation's economy at the front end of the pandemic, America's elite media outlets were quick to tell us about the largest increase in unemployment in American history. But they seem far less interested in telling us about the largest decrease in unemployment ever recorded since the recovery has begun. As of this week, the unemployment rate has dropped from a peak of almost 15 percent to about eight and a half percent. That puts unemployment at levels which we saw during most of Obama's first term. After the Great Recession of 2007 to 2009, it took three years for the labor markets to bounce back to the levels we see now, only three months into a recovery from the pandemic. Policy matters, and pro-growth policies make a country much more resilient, even in the face of horrendous setbacks. I'm Jerry Boyer. Publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu.